Hello, and welcome to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Today is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022, and we are pre-recording this program for broadcast on Saturday, uh, September 3rd, 2022, because I'll be out of town for the Labor Day weekend conference uh, that a number of us are going to over in Ohio. And so uh, not able to do the program live this week, but we do hope as the Lord allows to be back with you live next week. But we're pre-recording this for broadcast uh, over the Labor Day weekend. My name is Davey Canfield, and I'll be your host for this hour. You can visit us online at thechristianfaith.org. And if you want to send us a note with comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that at notes at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, you can look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour on iTunes or Spotify, or just go to our website and click on the Media tab, and the podcast link under there lists all of the previous programs. So last week, we began to have some consideration about the meaning of life. Uh, Why do we exist? And the uh, way we were doing that was... Uh, to consider this video that I recently posted online called The Parable of the Four Bottles. And it's, it's a very simple parable. Uh, and I, I can just uh, discuss it briefly, but if you want to watch it yourself, it's only about three minutes long, and you can watch it on fourbottles.org. But it's very simple to describe. The first bottle is an empty bottle. Uh, and it, all the bottles have a label on them, orange cream soda. So the first one is an empty bottle. It's clean, but it's empty. The second bottle is a dirty bottle. Uh, And the third bottle is one that's been cleaned. And the fourth bottle is one that's filled up with the orange cream soda. And so we use this when we go to the fairs and festivals to talk to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the first bottle shows how we were created, uh, sinless, but empty. And the second bottle shows how we became fallen and corrupted. The third bottle... It shows the result of the redemption of Christ that we're cleaned of and forgiven for our sins. And the fourth bottle shows what it means to be born anew, that we receive the divine life of God in Christ. Praise the Lord for that. So it's a simple analogy, but it seems to be pretty effective. And like I say, if you'd like to go watch it, I encourage you to do that. It's at uh, the website fourbottles.org. And so last week, as we were getting into this, we considered mostly what's signified by that first bottle. Because even though it's a very simple analogy, the concepts that are presented in this um, analogy are very profound and and take a lot of consideration. And so what we wanted to do in these few programs is to uh, get into these concepts in a deeper way. And so uh, we spent most of the program last week talking about what's represented by that first bottle. That is, how did God create us and why did God create us? And then we also kind of quickly went through the last ones. So in, in this program, our, uh, our plan, I still want to add a few more things about that first bottle because the more I considered it and the more I, more impressed I was with that and with how God created us. And once we're done with that, then we'll go on and really have some consideration of our situation today as fallen sinners because really we can't appreciate the seriousness of the fall until we appreciate what God created us for. Uh, it really signifies how... Uh, uh, it really shows us 
You know, God created us for such a wonderful purpose. Only then can we really appreciate what it really means to be so fallen today. So, you know, as, as we stressed in, in the program last week, God created us for a very, very special purpose. And, you know, when we're presenting this bottle, this, this analogy at the festivals, which I always love to do, and I always stress with the people who see it, especially with young people, we should really appreciate we are very, very special in this whole universe. We are very special because today so many people just feel life is pointless. I don't know what my life is about. It just seems like I have no purpose for my existence. Well, that's because they don't understand why God created them and what God created them for. I mean, this marvelous, marvelous purpose. You, you, you couldn't even begin to describe how wonderful the purpose of our life really is once you find out what it's for. But people don't know that today, and, and, and so they think their, their life is just hopeless and has no point, and it's a, it's a real tragedy. But as a Christian, it's our responsibility to, to share this with people and let them know about it. You know, a few weeks ago, um, uh, I sent out a note. Uh, I, well, I saw this video about uh, the size of the earth in relation to other uh, celestial bodies. And uh, the note, uh, it's on my, my website, thechristianfaith.org. It's uh, called, To This One Will I Look. And uh, I just kind of reviewed some of the things that were in that video. I mean, it, whenever you compare the earth to, uh, in its place in, in, in the universe, it just takes your breath away. So if you think, you know, we're here by ourselves, you know, what possible difference could my life make in, in a universe like that? It just, you know, it's just, it just seems, it seems like it's hopeless and pointless. But when you realize that, no, that what gives our meaning, life meaning is not our size in the universe, it's our relationship with God, and that he created all these things for us and for our sake, then you realize my life has real meaning. Zechariah 12.1 says, God stretches forth the heavens and he lays the foundation of the earth, and he forms the spirit of man within him. Now, I just love that verse because it shows, yes, the, the universe is so vast, but that's not God's focus. The earth is so great. It's still not God's focus. What's God, what is God's focus is man. And what's unique and special about man is that he has a spirit that enables him to receive God's divine life. You know, I mentioned uh, last week, just kind of in a brief way, even angels don't have a spirit. And uh, I was talking with one brother, and uh, he said, uh, well, is there, where do you see that in the Bible? And, well, you don't directly see that in the Bible. It is true. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 uh, says that the angels are spirits, but it never indicates that they have a spirit. And there is no indication in the Bible that angels have the capacity to receive God's divine life. You never see that in the Bible. They are spiritual. And so, so they, they can uh, have some relationship with God that way, but they cannot be born again with the divine life like we can as human beings. And so Hebrews tells us that they're uh, servants for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. So in a sense today, the angels are superior to us, but in eternity, they won't be. Uh, we'll be superior to the angels. Uh, and you, you see that in Revelation chapter 4, uh, 10. It says the elders there cast down their crowns uh, upon uh, when uh, the creatures worship God. 
it seems to indicate that in eternity, the angels will surrender their crown. Today, they're the ruling ones in the universe. And so there is some dispute about whether those are referring to the um, angelic elders or to elders in the church, but it seems that really the best way to understand it is these are the angelic elders in Revelation 4.10. They cast their crowns down to the ground because eventually we will be reigning forever and ever as the many sons of God. That's Revelation 20 verse 5. We reign forever and ever. Uh, unlike the angels, they just reign temporarily until we are ready to assume that position. That's how great we are. When God created us, he said, uh, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let him have dominion. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, 28 also, uh, he really created us for that special purpose, to have dominion on the earth, to rule the earth on his behalf. And... Uh, so we just have to appreciate it. we really have a unique high calling from God because we have God's image and likeness. Uh, we are able to rule on his behalf. Just such a, what a blessing that was. Uh, God, to make, God made this special creature in his image and likeness because he wants to fill us with himself. That's why you make a glove in the image of a hand so the hand can come inside the glove. No other creature has God's image and likeness, but we do. We have that ability to express something of who God is. And uh, so we're, we're just so special to God, and you really have to appreciate that, that uh, how valuable we are to God as human beings. And Jesus was very clear about that. He, you know, some people today, they, they feel like man is just basically one of the animals, but Jesus never felt that way. He said, uh, in Matthew, he said, uh, we're more valuable than many sparrows. He was very clear about this. He, he, he didn't, uh, he wasn't political. He, he tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, it's Matthew 6, 26, you're more valuable than many sparrows. Uh, in Matthew 12, uh, 12, I think it is, he goes on, he says, you're, how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? You can't even express how much more value a man has than a sheep. There's just no comparison is what the Lord is saying there. It's, there's no way to compare the value man has compared to a sheep. Uh, and uh, Luke 12, 24, he says, uh, more valuable than the birds. There's just, we're just a totally different order of being as far as God is concerned. And once we see God's purpose for us, that he created us in a special way to have his image and likeness and to rule the earth on his behalf because we're those who are able to receive God's divine life, we'll just realize, wow, we really are so, so special and so precious to God that we can become his, his children. Um, just, a, just like I say, just no way you could appreciate how special we really are to God. But what you also see in the creation, and you see this in, in the parable of the bottles, is that when we were created, we were created as empty vessels. Yes, we're vessels, but we're empty. And that's quite significant because God didn't create us as those who already had the divine life. He created us so that we could voluntarily, we could choose to receive that life by partaking of the tree of life, right? Genesis 2.16, right? He wants us to partake of the tree of life. And so we, we have that emptiness inside and we always sense uh, and until the day comes we when we receive that divine life, we'll always sense that we have that emptiness within. And I mentioned this before in the program, but I always appreciate a comment that's in the Concise Bible Dictionary in their definition on spirit and soul. 
they have a wonderful comment there about uh, Genesis 2-7, when God breathes into man the breath of life. And it says, in doing this, God set man in relation with himself so that no man can be truly happy apart from God, either in present existence or eternally. We were created to have a relationship with God. That has to do with this human spirit. Uh, And we'll get into that in in a coming program. The, The fact that we have a spirit is so crucial because it gives us this ability to have this relationship with God. And that's that what makes what makes us so special. But it also puts in us this longing that we would have that relationship. We simply desire to have that relationship because that's what we were created for. But we were created empty and we, we, we in a very real sense, we remain empty until we're born again with the divine life by faith in Christ. Until that comes, we're always trying to fill us up with some, fill ourselves up with something else. Uh, it may be material riches. It may be some kind of pleasure. It may be a sports team or some kind of achievement or something. We, we know we're trying to fill ourselves up. And very often, it just doesn't work. Uh, we just realize uh, that we just, whatever we try to fill us up with, it just, it just doesn't satisfy us. We may have so many things. Uh, we spent some time in the last program talking about Ecclesiastes, uh, and that was written by King Solomon, who was one of the one of the greatest, most wealthy men who ever lived. And th- that book begins, Vanity of Vanities, and it's all about how he tried to fill himself up with the things of the earth, and it never worked. And so it concludes with this exhortation to remember God in the days of your youth, because that's the one we were created for. That's the one we're meant to be filled with as this empty bottle. Uh, this empty vessel, you know, uh, we, we need to come, we need to have Jesus come and live inside of our heart. And that, that's when we're going to be satisfied. And we talked a little bit more about that last, in the last program. Uh, but so that, so I, I really like this, the picture in this analogy of this empty bottle, because it speaks so much. Yes, we're created with such a high purpose. And at the same time, we still shows us that we're empty until we begin to fulfill that purpose. And, uh, and I think many of us who are listening probably have this realization that, yes, I am empty because I haven't yet found Christ as my Savior. Well, I would urge you and open, to open your heart to the Lord and just tell him, Lord, I'm just, I just feel empty inside. I don't know what it is, but I'm missing something. I know I don't have what I was created for. And that's absolutely right. You don't have that until that day comes when you find Christ is your Savior and you ask him to come and live inside of you. Then, just like the last bottle in the analogy, you're filled up with the divine life. Just like the, that last bottle gets filled up with the orange cream soda, and now it's fulfilling its purpose. When you're filled up with the divine life, you're fulfilling your purpose, and you have a satisfaction you never had before. And I can, and again, I say that's my experience. When I've touched something in this life and I just sense my life has such a purpose and such meaning because I have the life of Christ now. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. So so that's uh, that's the first bottle. Again, like I say, I just felt there was some more to say about that to try to help us appreciate just what a purpose we were created for and uh, and how high uh, our, our our purpose really is. Because it's only when we really see that that we can really begin to appreciate the seriousness of the fall and just how serious the fall really is. And, of course, in in the analogy, in in the four bottles, that's the second bottle. That's the dirty bottle. 
And uh, you know, like uh, I mentioned last week, when we do this at the festival, sometimes kids will come over and uh, they want to know what's the dirty bottle for. Well, it, it signifies just how fallen and, and corrupt and sinful we've become. But by mentioning that now, I think maybe you can have some appreciation. It's not just that we do corrupt and sinful things. It's also ruined us as far as God's purpose is concerned. We can never fulfill the purpose God has for us when we're in this kind of fallen, corrupt situation. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 is a crucial verse in the New Testament. Uh, because what this verse shows us is our two fundamental problems before God. That verse says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you see two basic problems here. On the one hand, all have sinned. And I think we're all, we all know that. When, we, when we're presenting this, bottle, this, this illustration at the festivals, nobody ever argues with that. Just about nobody ever says, no, 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 I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. Uh, we have the kids come sometimes with their parents, and I'll be, I'll share this with them. And I'll, I use the word naughty, right? You guys do naughty stuff sometimes, right? And they nod their heads. Yes, that's right. We do naughty stuff. And I'll nod their heads. And, and I'll tell them, look, your parents are right here. You better fess up, as I mentioned last week. And, uh, and they, they kind of smile. They know, yes, we do naughty stuff, stuff we shouldn't do. We all do that. We all do that. So... Uh, and like I said, we're not trying to condemn anybody. That's just who we are. That's just our real situation. We're just fallen sinners. So we know that, and, uh, and, and we just have to confess that. But the second part of that verse is, we fall short of the glory of God. And again, that's Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So yes, we're fallen sinners. But secondly, we fall short of God's glory. What that means is God had this wonderful, wonderful purpose that he created us for. And now because we're fallen and sinful, we have no way to fulfill that purpose. There's just, we could never carry out what we were created for while we're in this fallen, corrupt situation. And so while we appreciate the first problem, we all do, so many, even Christians, don't realize the seriousness of the second problem that we cannot fulfill God's purpose, that we fall short of God's glory. But we need to appreciate that. And that's why I wanted to stress uh, at, the, at the start here uh, how God created us and the purpose he created us for to help us appreciate a little bit God has this positive purpose, but now we fall short of his glory. We fall short of being able to fulfill that purpose because we're sinful. So the sin is a very serious matter on our part, for sure. That's a very, very serious matter. Um, uh, two or three weeks ago, we were, we were getting into the parable of the sower, and we talked about uh, the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. And ever since then, I've been so convicted by that story. Uh, and I'd encourage you to spend some time looking at that story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke, in, in Luke 16. Because what it indicates is that the very moment uh, a sinner dies, if your sins are not forgiven, if you die in your sins, at that very moment, you pass into a place of torment. It says the, the rich man lifted up his eyes in Hades, being in torment. That very moment. God's justice is not like man's justice. It doesn't wait. It's not like you're sitting around for however many years waiting for 
uh, to find out whether or not you're going to be punished. It's that very moment uh, you pass over from life into death. You also pass over into torment if your sins are not forgiven. And that's why we always warn people, don't, don't leave yourself in that situation. It's so important to open your heart to the Lord today and to take him and to trust him as your Savior and to claim his saving work on your behalf. He wants you to be forgiven for your sins, but you have to ask him for that. You have to say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I just repent. I don't want to be in torment. I want to have my sins forgiven so I can be with you in the place of blessing and with all of your children and have the divine life. It's so crucial. Uh, our friend, even to, to share this with our friends and loved ones, that, that they would have a way to uh, believe in the Lord and be saved. And again, I'll just, I'll just give a plug for this video. The, 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 it's on fourbottles.org, but I think that should be a very good way to begin some gospel conversations. Again, it's a very simple video. It's only three minutes long, but we've always had a very good response when we present this at the festivals. And if you are able to share that with your friends, your colleagues, uh, it might might open up a way for the gospel and to help ones realize what the gospel is really all about. So our sin is a, it's a very, very serious situation on our side, but we need to appreciate too, on God's side, he created us for something and now he cannot fulfill that purpose. He can't fulfill that purpose because we've been ruined. And that's a big part of why Satan did that, uh, tricked Eve and Adam into eating uh, the tree of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. Uh, because he wanted to pollute man. And I want to stress here, when you look at that, it's in Genesis chapter 3. God told Adam, uh, it's in Genesis 3, 17. I don't have that marked in my Bible, sorry. But uh, he said, uh, of the tree of the good, of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Um, uh, sorry, Genesis 2, 17, not 3, 17. Um, and the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Notice what God does not say here. He does not say, in the day you eat of it, I will judge you. And uh, I will punish you for your sin. He doesn't say that. What he's saying here is, if you take of this fruit, this evil fruit, you're going to die. I don't have to put you to death. It's that fruit that's putting you to death. Because that fruit is a poison. You're taking something poisonous into your being. The sin nature, you're choosing to take that into your being, it's going to naturally poison you, unavoidably poison you. It's like a, a, a parent would tell a child, don't go into the, uh, the medicine cabinet and get some st stuff there that you're not supposed to take. Well, if the child does that, then the parent, okay, there's two problems. The parent disobeyed the child, but the much more serious problem is that child's got something in them that may very well harm or, or, or even kill them. You know, it's a very serious matter. So the parent's concerned about the disobedience, but they're much more concerned about the child and what effect that's going to have on the child. That's what we see here with this fruit of the tree of knowledge. Once it got inside of us, it just corrupted us and poisoned us, and we were put to death, spiritually speaking, not physically speaking at that point, but we became liable to physical death at that point. But the reason why that is, is because from the time we took that poison into us, there was something within our being that needed to die, that had to be put to death. Because only then, uh, when that is put to death, can we be brought, brought back to God's purpose. But we were fully, uh, through that, we were fully polluted, fully 
uh, corrupted. And so God has no way to carry out his purpose while we're in that fallen situation. Well, the good news, to come back to the good news is Romans, uh, I mentioned Romans 3.23. Again, that's a crucial verse. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the good news is in Romans, uh, what we see in the rest of the first part of Romans, chapters 3 through 8, the first uh, section of that, those chapters, uh, 3, 4, and the first half of chapter 5, deal with the first problem. All have sinned. That shows us how we're justified by faith in Christ. Faith apart from works. It's We simply believe in Christ and our sins are forgiven. But then the last half of that section, the rest of chapter 5, then 6, 7, and 8, show us how God deals with that second, the second part of that problem, where we fall short of the glory of God. It shows us his salvation brings us to the point where we fully conform to the image of Christ. right? And that's uh, uh, Romans 8, 29, and 30. Uh, as many as he foreknew, these he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he called, these he also justified. Those whom he justified, these he also glorified. He also predestined us. He called, justified, glorified. Praise the Lord for that. So we end that section. He says, we are glorified. That's the uh, salvation from the problem that we see in Romans 3.23 related to glory. We've already seen in the first part of that section the salvation in relation to sins. But we also need to see the salvation we have in Christ saves us to be brought into the glory of the firstborn son of God that he's in today. Praise the Lord for that. So that's the, the wonderful news. But but we need to come back and say, okay, that's not our situation today, especially if we haven't yet received Christ as our Savior. We're still in that fallen condition. Uh, and, I, and I appreciate it. There's a comment from uh, T. Austin Sparks uh, that I think very well sums up our situation. He says, man today is a radically different being from what God intended. That's where we are today in our fallen situation, our fallen and corrupt situation. Now, let me say that again. Man today is a radically different being from what God intended. You know, we saw the high purpose we were created for, but that's not where we are today. Today, we're in this fallen and corrupt situation that God never intended for us to be in. He gave us the freedom to choose that, but that wasn't his intention. And so why is there so much suffering on the earth today? Why is there so much sorrow and pain and all these uh, evil things and personal tragedies and it all relates to the fact that we're in this fallen situation. That uh, the, oh, the sin just opened the door for all kinds of corruption. I mean, how could a world filled with people like you and me not be full of suffering? There's just no way. You know, and I mentioned this last week. There, there's a popular saying, uh, and some people, especially on the left, they like to say, no justice, no peace. And I would say that, again, I'd say that is absolutely a true statement. It is really so. Now, as fallen sinners, we're not able to work that out in our, in our fallen condition. We always fight each other and trying to figure out you know, what, what is justice. And uh, we have disagreements about that. So we can't work that out. But God can. And he will. And that's what he is doing. In this universe, eventually, there is going to be perfect justice. And there has to be perfect justice. Or there could never be peace in the universe. God is absolutely holy, and he cannot 
put himself into us while we're in such a fallen, corrupt situation. He could never do that. He has to work out a situation of perfect justice and righteousness, and then he can put himself into us. Only then will he put himself into us. You know, if you ask God to forgive your sins without punishing your sins, you're not asking him to be merciful. You're asking him to be unrighteous, and he cannot do that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.13 tells us he cannot deny himself. He simply can't do that. He cannot deny his nature. And there's these false assertions about what it means for God to be omnipotent and silly questions people ask about, you know, this rock anyway. I don't even care to mention that, but you just laugh or cry. I'm not sure which, but, uh, but, uh, but there are things God can't do. He cannot deny himself. He can't deny his nature. His nature is holy. And if he, if he were to uh, simply uh, write off our sins, and write off and, and pretend like it never happened, there would be no peace in the universe. Our, con- our own conscience wouldn't be peaceful about that kind of forgiveness. God has to deal with every, ty- every sin in an p- absolutely perfect and righteous way. And, and some people have questions about, about God judging sin eternally. He has to if there's ever going to be perfect peace in the universe. There could never be perfect peace and harmony in the universe without an absolutely perfect judgment of sin, and that's why God does that. We don't appreciate that because we're we're not holy, and we try to make God in our own image, and we think, well, to us it's no big deal, so maybe God can just let it go. But it doesn't work like that. He has to punish sin, and uh, and that's what He's doing. He's uh, He's working today to deal with the problem of sin, to deal with the problem of death, uh, so that He can bring in this situation of perfect peace and justice. Uh, and that that will happen, of course, ultimately at his second coming. But uh, uh, he has to have that situation, bef- you know, before he can put himself into us. And uh, this is uh, we're not going to spend much time today on the the last two bottles, what they signify: the, the the bottle that's been cleaned, and the bottle that's filled up with the with the, the soda. The clean bottle, of course, signifying that our sins are forgiven and we're cleansed, and the the last bottle being filled up, signifying how we receive the divine life. That's a, that'll be hopefully in the next program. But I will say uh, today, you know, once God does cleanse us from our sins, uh, when we believe in him, because Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins on the cross in his redemption, uh, once we receive that cleansing, then in his sight, at least before God, we are fully righteous and fully justified. And therefore, he has the standing to give us his divine life so that we are born anew. And at that point, we become a child of God. And that's really why Christ died on the cross for our sins. Uh, So that we could be cleansed and forgiven, but also so that he could give us his divine life. Praise the Lord for that. That's the purpose of the redemption of Christ. The redemption of Christ was not an end in itself. God wasn't after simply having the clean bottles. That's not God's goal. And I think so many Christians, they they don't understand this. They don't know why, what was the real reason that uh, Christ died for our sins. No, it wasn't just so we could be forgiven. It It was so that God could carry out his purpose that he originally made us for, to give us his divine life, to make us his children, so we could express him and rule the earth on his behalf for eternity. Praise the Lord. That's why Christ died for us. And when we see that positive purpose, I think our Christian life, 
even becomes more meaningful at that point. We realize, now I know what my Christian life is for, for me to be conformed to the image of Christ and so that uh, I can reign with him for eternity. Praise the Lord. So uh, that will do it for, for this uh, segment. And uh, in the next segment, we will bring on Brother Dave Shields from Akron, Ohio, to fellowship more along these lines. And so we will be back with you on the other side of the break. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge both of our Savior and of our faith in him so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab, or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website, or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the ChristianFaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello, and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. And we've had a little trouble here getting set up for this uh, second segment, but it was, it was mainly my bad here. But uh, we finally have Dave Shields from Akron, Ohio with us. David, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we were just saying kind of somewhat off the air, you're not you're from Akron, but you're not originally from Akron. You're... No, I'm not. I'm not. I was born in New Jersey, and I moved to Florida for high school and college. And after that, I moved to Ohio, and I've been here ever since. Great. Okay, well, wow. So, and how many years is that, if I can ask, Dave? Oh, I moved here in 1969. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, oh, right. Right. Okay. I am an official old man. <laughs> oh Lord, well you sound good, and I, and I know, and uh, <laughs> we all believe me. We all need the Lord's mercy, right, to go on. Praise the Lord. So. We do. Um, uh, but of course, uh, you've been listening to the as we recorded the first part of this uh, program, and uh, I guess uh, I just wanted to see what your what your thoughts are to begin with. So go ahead. I think I'm impressed that uh, so much is coming out of a bottle. You know, uh, what you what you have talked about is pretty profound, and yet the video that you produced about the uh, four bottles is very simple. I think you know it's a good way uh, to present some truths which are pretty deep and hard to understand. So I, I appreciate your video. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Well, we, we, you know, I've wanted to make a video out of that for a long time because we've we've we always get a good response when we present it to people at the festivals. And you know, let me say, I, I I really hope people will use this video as a way to open up gospel conversations. It's a really, I think, a big. You know, you can do that online if you want to share it on Facebook. Uh, you can go to the website of fourbottles.org. We'll have links there, or just share it out on on YouTube. But also, if you just want to use this, do the demonstration yourself, like in a children's meeting. Just get get four bottles. And uh, uh, one one key thing, though, is a little trick is, is you've got to use orange soda. 
It's the only yeah. sort of it's, – it's a small thing, but it actually makes a big difference because that's the one that really stands out. And, uh, you know, if you can't use a cola, it just looks – anyway, it doesn't – you have to have a bright color that stands out, and that's really orange soda. That's, so that's my practical advice. But I, I encourage people to do that. If you like this analogy, we've had very good response from kids. People get this. They really see what the gospel is about when you present it in this way. So – yeah, and that's one another reason why I wanted to get the video out there, encourage people to use it. You know, you have to you have to present the gospel in a in a way that fits your time. And so maybe this is a good way for our time. A simple, brief concept, but Could it, be. but it enables uh, enables people to to share the gospel. Well, of course, the the two main concepts concepts we were focusing on in the first half of the program were the creation and the fall, and. Uh, uh, I, you know, David, just getting into this preparing, uh, I thought we'd covered the, the first part, the creation, enough in the last program, but I just felt there was more to say because there's such, I mean, when you look at this, you realize God created us for such a wonderful purpose. I mean, we don't have any idea how wonderful that purpose really is. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I think that uh, from the very beginning, God intended man to have a special relationship with him, and uh, that relationship really got destroyed at one point. And ever since then, you know, God has done his best to keep us, uh, not to wander too far. You know, on the one hand, we're not where we should be. On the other hand, he keeps drawing us back again with the gospel. So there's, there's always a, he always has an open door and a way to return. I like that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Dave. You know, you, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I just, uh, appreciate how he, we tend to think of God being in heaven like with a with a rod, you know, and he's, he's stop sinning, right? And uh, he's angry with uh, with us as sinners. But he has much more of a father's heart for us than what we realize. He's not just not just out to, to punish us and make sure we you know we we stay on the straight and narrow. He wants to bring us back to that purpose, and uh, uh, and he does a lot of crazy things sometimes to work that out. You know, I I shared uh, I sent out a note. Not that long ago, about uh, let me see, it's Second Samuel. Uh, I think it's fourteen, fourteen. I'll check up, check on that verse. It talks about God is in heaven. It's when uh, 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 the wise woman is talking to Joab sends a wise woman to David to bring the uh, help Absalom come back, and then uh, the woman says. Uh, God just scheming, basically. I mean, he's designing things in heaven so that the way the sinner can come back to himself. And he's that's his heart. He wants to bring us back to himself. And uh, he's always yeah. working on ways to do that. But because we're fallen, we're just concerned about the punishment and that aspect. But that's not God's heart toward us. His heart is a loving heart to, and a merciful heart to bring us back to himself. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, way back in Genesis, where you see uh, this thing happen, this fall, uh, we turn into 30 bottles. Uh, there's an interesting verse in chapter 3 of Genesis, and, uh, verse 5. I'd like to quote it to you if I can. Yeah, yeah. It says, uh, for God, this is the devil talking. He's talking to Eve, right? Uh, it says, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. Now, you know, what I appreciate on that verse is that uh, from the moment she took of that wrong fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil's fruit, she began to know good and evil. And that began, in a sense, 
uh, our salvation. It, be, it opened a door so that God, there would be a way for us to come back to God. Hmm. Because until that time, there was no good, no knowing of good and evil. I mean, she wouldn't have known what she did good. She wouldn't know she had done evil. But at that point, when the fall came, you know what? God opened her to know good and evil. And in a sense, her, her conscience woke up. So she could begin to know, you know, yeah. I, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I need something. I need some help here. I need a Savior. And uh, without knowing good and evil, we might never come back to God. We might never realize our need. So that, that fruit, actually, uh, as negative as it was, it did something. God did something in us so that we our, our wandering wouldn't go too far away. Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah, really so, Dave. I mean, it's it's if if we didn't have a conscience— There'd just be no limit to man's evil today. I mean, we don't. But really thank, true. Yeah, thank That's the Lord right. that, that we do have this function of our conscience, and it seems to be when you look at you know the human spirit all throughout the scriptures, it, it seems to be the only part of our spirit that still has retained some function, which was God's mercy. I mean, it could have become completely deadened, but then you just couldn't even live on the earth because it'd be yeah right. But, but uh, it is God's mercy that that conscience is uh, can still be somewhat active. And uh, that's uh, why you can go to the fairs and you can use the yeah, right, yeah. because yeah. everybody knows inwardly already that, that they have done bad things. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And that, that, that might not be a uh, very deep thought, but the fact is without a conscience, you wouldn't know that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're right. Everybody has it. I, I was, I said in the previous segment, you know, I, I, I share that with, it's, you know, it, it's nice to have a little bit of fun with the kids and, uh, as I say, you know, like I, like I said, their parents are there. And I tell them, you know, look, your parents are right here. You better fess up. And we're all nodding our heads because we all know. We all know. Nobody's any different. Sure. Everyone, even the kids know. The parents yes. know. Yeah. Even those people that say, I, I don't sin. I don't believe in sin. You know what? When they go to bed at night yes. and they're lying by themselves in the dark, things that they've said, things that they've done come to haunt them. Mm. You know, because we're all guilty. And that's why it's really not condemning is because we're all in the same boat. You know, I'm not going to point to you and say, yeah. you sinner, because yeah. I know I'm a sinner, too. Yeah. You know, I, on the one hand, we are all sinners. I'm not saying we're not, you know, but there's no such thing as I'm better than you because of this. Yes. Well, that's right. That's right. We yeah, and it. it we need to appreciate the seriousness of sin. I mean, uh, it's uh, because God is going to judge sin, and yeah. uh, and He has to. Like I was explaining in, in the last segment, He has to for there to be perfect peace in the universe. It just couldn't be unjudged sin and at the same time have harmony. Because in, in our own conscience, we wouldn't be peaceful about it. If I have a sin that hasn't been punished, that's one of the wonderful things about the Christian life. You're not saying my sin is not going to be punished. What you say is, my sin already has been punished through the death of Christ on the cross. And it was Amen. our sin that put him there. And there's a, a very good hymn, um, how, how Deep the Father's Love for Us. And it's, it has that phrase. It says, it was my sin that put him there, right? And we need to have a yep. deep realization of that. Uh, that uh, and that helps us to appreciate just how serious this matter of sin is. God has to deal with the sin problem. Uh, because he can't, unless he does that, he cannot fulfill his purpose. Uh, and like I say, we, a lot of times, we try to make God in our image by uh, th thinking that God doesn't really have to deal with sin. He should just let it go. He should just forgive us. Why would he condemn anyone to the lake of fire? 
but, but you don't realize if, if a person does not repent, if they refuse to separate themselves from their sin by believing in Christ, then there's no other alternative. There is no other way, right, to, yeah, for God to right. deal with this problem. And we can, man, right. man tries to make things up, but the only real way we have to deal with the sin problem is by those sins being punished on the death, by the death of Christ on the cross. Well, so it is certainly a good thing to have knowledge and <laughs> yeah. respect. You know, to know my your situation, to know yes. I am a sinner. Yeah. Otherwise, how could you confess? How could you ever come to God and, and clear such a thing up? You know, last Sunday uh, we here in Ekron spent some time in Psalm 51. This is this is a very interesting psalm because uh, this is David's repentance after his great sin of. Uh, dealing with Bathsheba. Uh, if those who know that Bible story, uh, he uh, had an affair with her, got her pregnant, killed her husband so he could marry her. And, uh, you know, all of this was, was, was done in a way where he wasn't bothered until, and I'm told it took, it was a year. I don't know how it came up with that. I don't know how they decided it was a year. Well, it had to do with the, eventually, the child. The child had not yet been born. From well, that. okay. The child was born. That would make sense. Yeah. I, I couldn't well, figure out how they got that. Well, it, it Okay, so the child would have been born, it was, uh, yeah, it was about the time the child was born, right, because the child born and but died, the, died. Yeah, but the point is, after, is yeah, that right. David David was pretending nothing was wrong yeah. until Nathan the prophet came and told him. And then he had this tremendous remorse, tremendous response, because his conscience bothered him so much. And if you read Psalm 51, the whole psalm is his repenting. And, you know, the one verse which really stood out to me is, uh, is the third verse. It says, uh, For I know my wrongdoings, and my sin is constantly before me. Hmm. I mean, that, that sin that he did at that point was really haunting him. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you, you, you do things and you say things, and then you, you, you realize what you've done, like David did. And you think, oh, God, why did I do that? Why did I say that? You know, and I wish I could go back in time and change it, but of course you can't. And so your conscience is there to tell you, you know, you need a Savior. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't say it in those words, but that's the only conclusion you can come to when you are distraught like this. You know, uh, why did I say it or why did I not say something? Why did I do something or why did I not do something? Either way. You know, your your conscience can really give you, it's a troubling help. Now, a lot of times when somebody dies, uh, those who are left behind in their grief, try to remember what was the last thing I said to that person. Or, uh, you know, some other memories about them where they wish they had done something differently. They wish they had told them they loved them or something, you know. Uh, in a sense, this is, this is because we are sinners. And God has given us a tool to realize that we are that, and we need a Savior. This is this is our, our blessing to us. Uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but it genuinely is. Well, you, I, you like, I like what you said. I don't you think said it's just it's, me. It's a troubling help. I think is the phrase you use, right? Which is yeah, which is yeah. right. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it is. Well, that, that's another hymn, "Amazing Grace." It was God's grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my heart, grace my fears relieved that uh, it is the Lord's mercy. I mean, woe unto us if, if our conscience doesn't trouble us 
and we just go on in our wicked ways. You know, it's like yeah. there's some yeah. people, there's rare cases where people are born and they feel no pain. They're not. That's true. I've, they, I've heard of that. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's rare, but it happens. And then they, they injure themselves and they have no idea that they've injured themselves. Because, so pain serves a, a positive function a lot of times. It's, it's warning us. You know, you're, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And it's, our conscience is the same way. When we, it's a mercy, the Lord's mercy to us if he, our conscience is active to help us realize, no, we've done something wrong. And, uh, and when we better deal with that, we better find a way to deal with that problem. Otherwise, otherwise, we'll just go on in our sin and get worse and worse. And, and, and some people, you know, sorry to say, it just seems like uh, their conscience is uh, not, not restricting them like it should be in a normal person. It's just unfortunate thing. You just have, Then you have to ask the Lord for his mercy to come in and help really, that yeah. person uh, touch something of their conscience again. And it's not God touching us directly. It's our conscience. God touches us in our conscience, and our conscience speaks something to us because we know we've done something wrong when our conscience speaks to us. And that, that's that's a, a deep experience. And uh, it's it's the beginning very often of what really turns us to the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. So. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I, conscience is, is a kind of a guardrail. Yeah. Yeah. If you go too far off, God says, okay, uh, watch out. <laughs> You're heading yeah. in the wrong direction. Yeah. Now this is even to the unbelievers. I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. Of course, to a believer, the conscience is also valuable. Right. Oh, yeah. You're sure. leaving. You're leaving Christ. You need to come back to Him. You're yeah. doing. You know. You're going somewhere you shouldn't be going. Touching something you shouldn't be touching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those who ignore that voice inside, uh, it's it's to their own harm. Yeah. Amen. It's to them. Well, how? Um, so, practically speaking, how uh, how can we care for our conscience, and what? Uh, how can we strengthen and enhance the function of our conscience? Would you say, Dave? How to help and to, uh, so what was the question again? Yeah, how, how can to, how can we strengthen the function of our conscience and and care for our conscience so that it functions in a healthy way? Well, you if you are an unbeliever or if you're a believer, I would say it's a little bit different because a believer has a lot of advantage. You know, we have the Word of God to help us. Spend time in that; that helps to tune your conscience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, if you spend time Very with important. other believers yeah. and, and in genuine fellowship, that helps to tune your conscience. If you, uh, as, as as Paul writes, if you uh, uh, think on the things above, that helps to tune your conscience. Yeah, amen. An unbeliever, unbeliever, you know, uh, he doesn't use those kinds of tools. He doesn't have the advantage of that. But nevertheless, if he listens to his conscience, I think he will he will be saved from a lot of grief. Uh, our, our conscience is because unbelievers uh, still, they, whether you're a believer or not, you still have that function of the conscience. Oh, absolutely! I'm saying both have the function of the conscience, but right. you know, the believer has ways to tune the conscience much mm-hmm. better. Yes, the unbeliever he still has to listen to the conscience, and hopefully, by doing so, he begins to recognize his need of the Savior, and this should bring him to Christ. Uh, I, I, eventually, without coming to Christ, even the conscience won't save him. You know, in, in eternity, he's not going to ask, did you listen to your conscience? In eternity, the question is going to be, what, who is Christ to you? Yeah. What yeah. is your relationship with yeah. Christ? Yeah. So the believer is, you know, he, he can he can uh, exercise in a way that allows his conscience to get finely tuned. Unbeliever, he just needs to listen to his conscience and, and be brought to Christ. Amen. Yeah, I, well, I, okay, I guess that just reminds me of my, my own experience, 
growing up. Uh, you know, I wasn't saved until I was uh, after college. I was about 25. But I, I always realized there was a God. And I think that, you know, it, it was obviously stupid to, to, to think otherwise because it was, it was clear. I mean, you don't get a gym shoe from nothing. You're telling me you get the whole universe from nothing? It was just unspeakably stupid. Wait, I don't know. I don't know. People have this question about uh, who created God. It's, it's these silly questions. You know, nobody, we know the created universe. Everything we know is created. God is outside of creation. He is not a created being. Problem solved. Anyway, so, so it's obvious, more than obvious, there is a God. And even though, you know, I was raised, I should say, in a, 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 a culturally Christian family, I, I don't know that, uh, especially at a younger age, any in, in my family really were uh, Christians uh, because we hadn't had that experience of being born again. We were Presbyterian. But we went to church and uh, and Sunday school, and we were you know, somewhat involved. I think at one point my dad was an elder. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's certainly very, you know, very much in, uh, connected to the church there. And that was, that did, was a protection and kept us from getting involved in uh, things that were really destructive and harmful. And unfortunately, I think today there's much less of that uh, among uh, people in this country in general. Uh, Dave, I'm getting a lot of, 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 of uh, sound on the phone. I'm not sure what's... Uh, really? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. No, no, no. It's okay. I just I think it may be a little bothersome for the listeners. Yeah. But, um, anyway, so, um, so I think the uh, the uh, people today, young people today, a lot of times they don't even have that kind of kind of a religious Christianity that is somewhat of a protection and will keep them from a lot of, and so so they go off the guardrails because there's no guardrails protecting them from getting involved in. Uh, things that right. really are very harmful, and you see young and young people. I don't know. It just maybe maybe it's going from bad to worse, Dave. And uh, as the Bible seems to have less and less influence in in, in the culture in generally, general. Uh, so even people who uh, before in this country who weren't Christians, the Bible still had a lot of influence. And again, that's another guardrail that could be a real salvation and protection for people, even if they aren't Christians, so that they wouldn't be. Uh, brought into these kind of destructive behaviors, and it might make them harder for, might make it harder for people to eventually turn to the Lord. So, oh Lord, you know, my my prayer a lot of times is that the 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 Bible would the, the authority of the Word of God would be manifested again uh, in this country. Yeah, and I think that that would be something that would really help people in terms of their conscience. Um, like you say, as believers, we have that, but there was a general influence of the Bible more so. Uh, in past uh, generations than what we see today. And that's, to me, I, I, I really feel that's one of the main reasons why this country was so blessed, because at least there was this kind of outward honoring of the Word of God, and it caused people to live at least somewhat upright lives where they feared God. Uh, now, like you say, that's not going to be enough for salvation, but it may help some people eventually find the Lord. So, Yes, for sure. Yeah, I don't believe God gave us the conscience just to condemn us. Right. You know, I believe the conscience is here because uh, he doesn't want us to get too far away from him, and he wants to eventually to find him. Yeah, amen, Dave. So, yeah. it, 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 it's a blessing. It's really yeah. a blessing. No, that's right. And it, it's the Lord's mercy. Like, it's a, like you say, it's uh, it can be troublesome, but it is a blessing and a protection. Because, again, to, to come back to this, this matter of the this this bo- the dirty bottle— 
we just have to realize how serious that situation is, that uh, to be in that fallen situation um, and have no feeling about it is even worse. Uh, and it's it just we need the Lord's mercy to wake us up and help us realize that we um, we really need a savior. We better find some way to deal with the problem of our sin. You know, what we stressed, what I stressed, Dave, in the first segment was that the um, from our standpoint, we see the problem of our sin. That's that's what we're aware of. We we don't see the problem of God's purpose. So uh, um, that's. Uh, uh, more that's on God's side. That's what he is really concerned about. And I think once we're believers, hopefully we'll have some sense about that. But at least uh, in this fallen situation, we may still have some realization, uh, I need a Savior. And that is the Lord's mercy to us. Because uh, that's right. This, that's right. Uh, this fallen, you know, fallen situation is just much worse. But we try to picture that in the video. But um, well, I had that quote. I think you, I don't know if you, well, you heard me say that quote from Austin Sparks. Uh, Man right. today is a radically different being from what God intended. Very serious matter. So, and as I said, that's why we have the suffering on the earth that we have today, because we're just such fallen human beings. Oh, Lord. Um, well, I think we're, we're about out of time, Dave. Do you have any final words that you wanted to add? So, I think that, uh, we should all recognize that this is not the end of the last bottle. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If we if you, if you were to stop here, all we'd have is condemnation. Yes. Okay? Right. And we, we don't want that. And the whole idea of uh, of this is to get us to eventually to the place of cleansing and filling. Yes. So I'm I'm encouraged. I'm looking forward to uh, the other two bottles. Yeah. Amen. Well, that'll be hopefully next week. But it's, it's it is like Romans. In Romans, you. Paul deals with our fallen situation first, right? And the wrath of God being poured out. And you have to, because that's what a lot of times, you know, awakens our conscience. But that's right. But then you go on and you talk about the reason why uh, we need to have uh, this awareness of sins is so that we can repent and be forgiven and then be filled up with the divine life. So, amen, Dave, that's a very good point probably to end on. And uh, we look forward, as the Lord allows, to, uh, to getting into that this coming week. So, praise the Lord. Amen, David. Thank you so much for, for coming on the program today. It's good to talk to you. Well, thank you for having me. Probably see you this weekend, I would think, right? So I would think so. Okay. Yep. Okay, Dave. Okay. Talk to you right. soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions, send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.